podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're listening to the Neil Reynolds Podcast. That was the voice of Ryan Fitzpatrick. To hear more leading NFL stars, coaches, and media personalities telling us their life stories, tune into the Neil Reynolds Podcast with me, Neil Reynolds. Episodes drop every Thursday, and we already have a back catalogue that includes the likes of Bruce Arians, Doug Marone, Raheem Mostert, and the one and only Dan Hansis. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. The Neil Reynolds Podcast, dropping every Thursday. Hello and welcome to the Nat Koo Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. The second part of our NFC preview coming up, which can only mean the season is almost upon us. And that feels very, very good to say. Iron Mike dropping by for more of his wisdom any minute now. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before we get into it. Don't forget, if you haven't already, follow us on social media at the NC Show. I say don't forget because Marley... Tom and the crew pushing out content all the way through the season. We've got some really exciting plans, extra content, bonus stuff, stuff you won't hear on the pod. So give us a follow, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or all of the above. And of course, you're likely to subscribe to us if you're listening to us. But if you haven't, whichever podcatcher you get the show on, make sure you click subscribe and you won't miss an episode. We've got great guests lined up all the way through the season. It is good to be back. And it's good to have football back. Right, let's get straight down to business with Iron Mike Cos. Now, Iron Mike, you and I have worked together many a year. And I'm often reminded of uh, how similar in so many ways you are to Jim Morrison. I mean, it's, un- <laughs> it's, it's uncanny. Okay, uh, light, light my fire and tell me why. <laughs> well, the West is the best, said ah, the yes. doors. And that's what you're saying about this season, as far as the NFC is concerned, anyway. Yeah, well, this is, it, it's kind of like, you know, the South. I mean, you've, you've got two really strong contenders. And, and um, as with the South, the second contender has gotten stronger as the offseason continued. So like Tampa, I think it's moved into a position where they're real challengers to the Saints in the South. Seattle has moved into a position where they're real challengers to the 49ers. Not that they weren't. Remember, they split the season series last year. Um, But now I think they really are um, in the position where they could take the division. And remember, the West has had two teams, two different teams in the Super Bowl in the last two years. Right. So if Seattle were to make it out of the NFC, it would be three different teams in three years. And that's an accomplishment for any division. If you're calling Seattle serious contenders to, to win this division, I, I know the answer to this question, but I want to pose it to you anyway, because a lot of people are saying in the NFL right now, there are four teams that are clearly in a group above everybody else. And those four teams, are the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Saints, and the 49ers. So are you not, presumably, you're not buying into that? Or are you grouping Seattle in that mix as well? Or are you... I would, I would group Seattle probably in that mix. Mm. Um, I was looking at the Super Bowl odds um, last week, and Seattle was 19 to 1. And I think that's a tremendous kind of like outside bet. Um, right. Because I, because I think their chances, they've got to get out of the division, but they, you know, but they should get into the playoffs. Um, and I think, I think they're a team of enough quality to do that. Um, the reason I said that, um, and it's not totally down to one guy, but <laughs> when they picked up Jamal Adams from the Jets, mm. I just thought, well, this is the piece that they really need to make that defense work. And it's the piece they haven't really had Um, because, you know, they picked up Quandre Diggs, remember? Um, And I'm not sure. I I keep looking at them and I'm not sure how it's going to play out, whether Diggs winds up being a a third safety and nickel back, Mm -hmm. which is, which is what I would do or um, with Marquise Blair being the free safety, because you really need a, an active free safety in that defense. Um, or whether Diggs starts at free safety and they use somebody else as the, as the nickelback. They have contenders for that. Um, but all of a sudden, their secondary looks really good um, because that strong safety spot, the Cam Chancellor spot, is the key spot in that defense. I mean, 
you, you, you have to have in effect what you're doing in that defense. It looks like it's supposed to be a cover three with the two corners and the one safety deep. But really what it is, is one deep and six under because those two corners are playing in effect man-to-man, press man-to-man on the outside receivers. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the three linebackers and the strong safety. And I wrote a piece about this for my Patreon column um, last week, uh, last just Friday, because lots of the NFL defenses turn into that more or less scheme. The Tampa two brings that third linebacker back Mm -hmm. into, into the sec into the secondary. Um, Pete Carroll's has that linebacker coming up most of the time and lots of teams now to cope with the spread offenses, which have come up from college um, and infiltrated the NFL are relying on what college coaches called robber defensive backs. Um, In other words, a guy who appears in the middle of that field who you weren't expecting, usually a safety, sometimes a linebacker, sometimes a safety playing up who drops back, sometimes a corner who plays out of position. You think about um, uh, the, the pick six in the Super Bowl. Um, without Robert Alford for the um, mm-hmm. Falcons against the, the Patriots. Brady never thought he was going to be there. It's, you know, with quarterbacks, it's often not what you see. It's what you think. <laughs> you know, sure. you're, you're not looking to see, oh, is that guy there? And then throwing, you're looking at the defense and you're saying that guy's not going to be there. So, you're, you know, then you, you're knowing you where you're going to throw. Yeah. And, and I think this just gives Pete Carroll exactly what he wants um, from, from a defense. And defensively, the rest of it seems to be coming together pretty well um they still have bobby wagner obviously um you know who's probably the best middle linebacker in the league they drafted jordan brooks in the first round who i think will wind up starting pretty quickly there they brought back bruce Irvin uh to play that leo position which is the kind of pass rush position that they need somebody um and and so you know defensively i just think they're really strong and offensively you know how their offense works. They got their line got right a lot better with Mike Solari um, coming in to coach the offensive line. They they kept them together. They want a big line that can run block because they're basically a run first team. And then when when the game is close, which run first teams often have close games. Um, they then want to allow Russell Wilson to win the game himself. Um, And it becomes fourth quarter becomes kind of playground ball with Russell Wilson scrambling around and finding receivers. And, you know, DK Metcalf was everything that they wanted. And there's a lot of teams shied off DK Metcalf because he's not really the most polished outside receiver. He's just a side speed, a size speed guy, but with Seattle, We'll take that. Perfect, right? Yeah. yeah he, he's perfect. Particularly and, Tyler Lockett emerging as well yeah. um, and, and stepping up. Great point on Wilson because he is one of those players. You and I have talked about this a lot, Mike, that there are, there are certain quarterbacks that w- when things break down uh, can keep, keep players alive and make things happen. And that often, and going back to our conversation in the last episode about Prescott versus some of the other quarterbacks we mentioned and getting paid, that X factor of, the continuation of a play and creating a piece of magic out of something when there isn't there. That, that is often, a, I think, a reasonable distinction to make. And Wilson has that maybe better than any quarterback right now in the NFL. But yeah. The, the, what you made on comebacks as well, the stats, the stats underpin that. Tied in the NFL uh, last season in fourth quarter comebacks, four, five game-winning drives at the top of the tree as well. So when it is clutch time and crunch time, Wilson again and again steps up. Yeah. And, you know, and like I said, they're, they want to be a run first team. So a lot of times their games are close, closer than they probably should be mm. um, because they don't take advantage of that. But I did Russell Wilson in his one year at Wisconsin, where he was a graduate transfer um, from North Carolina. And I can't say that I watched him at North Carolina at all, but that year at Wisconsin, he occasionally had to do that because they, they didn't have that many tight games. They were a run first team as well. But when he sat back in the pocket and threw, he's got a fantastic arm, which sometimes gets overlooked. You know, he could run, he could run a short yardage kind of passing game if he, if he had to do that. He's a tremendous, he's a tremendous point guard as, as a um, quarterback. And, you know, I, I think, if you set up a passing game and, and he's got, you know, Will Disley looks like a, the real deal at tight end and mm. they signed Greg Olson for a year, you know, yep. to, uh, sort of. So he's got, 
he's got weapons on all those levels. If his offensive line keeps him alive, um, which is not that hard because he can escape the rush, but if they can do that, um, I think they can be a really great team. And, you know, I'm not – Brian Schottenheimer as a coordinator doesn't really – wow me um but that's the way they want to play if chris carson can't stay healthy then it's you know they're depending on carlos hyde um you know or maybe dj dallas who um ought to have gone to the same to dallas Should have done. <laughs> along Should have done. with cd cd lamb you know cd lamb and dj dallas would have been <laughs> absolutely actually i missed you know last week sorry, not last week in the last show i missed um dion buchanan mm. whose name if you said it differently would be buck cannon should have really should have really gone to, to um tampa Tampa should have done Another yeah, there's not even a k in in his or an h in his buchanan it's just <laughs> b-u-c-c anyway but back to that you know so i just think they're they're really on the verge of being a, a, a great team, um, even more so maybe than the, the team that won the Super Bowl, which was a great defensive team, um, but not necessarily that, that good an offensive team, although they did have Marshawn Lynch, which, you know, which helps any, any offense, especially if you want to be a run-first team. And the thing I think is that San Francisco may not be quite as good as they were last year. Um, you know, I, I think there are question marks about San Francisco that there that there probably weren't last year. Well, let's look at those because Emmanuel Sanders is gone, uh, as you said on the last show, key part of their offense. DeForest Buckner gone as well, so they've lost some big pieces, significant pieces certainly from that Super Bowl winning side. This is often the uh, Super Bowl losing side, the NFC Championship side. Often the problem with successful teams, isn't it, that they get dismantled because of the success. And when we talked Kansas City earlier on in our AFC preview, we emphasized that important, the importance of continuity there, that actually for a, for a Super Bowl winning side, they weren't really, uh, they haven't really changed that much year on year. And, and this year, that's going to be hugely significant. San Francisco have gone through more change, more transition. And I want to factor in the Super Bowl hangover to that as well, Mike, because it has to factor in statistics demonstrate that it does teams often struggle the year after losing at the super bowl so uh, interesting that you say that so if you don't think the 49ers are going to be as good as they were last year then where are they going to be this year well that's the question that's the question really um you know it's it kind of like philadelphia they need that first round draft pick receiver to come through Brandon Ayuk. Um, and again, they think he's a perfect fit for what they want to do, which is why they drafted him higher than, than most teams would have, but you know, gamble though, isn't it? Because I mean, receiving the best of times, but this, this year as well, it's going to be even more of a risk that a receiver acclimatizes quickly to the NFL. right? Exactly. You know, and, and we know what they want, what they do. They they run misdirection. They run play action. They're really good at it. Um, they use their tight ends really well. And, and um, yeah, they signed Jordan Reed for a little bit of pass catching depth. So that that's a good step forward. But, you know, Kittle's one of the best in the business and, the, and he's a really good blocker, um, which people overlook. They scheme Offensively, they scheme those running backs into positions where they can really gain yardage. And and if you think about Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl, they were a good running team that year as well. Um, you know, now um, they lost Breida, but hope Jarek McKinnon is back yet again. <laughs> um, who you know has not played since they signed him from the Vikings, and you know that would give them four. They'd be four deep, so they'd, they'd be okay there. Jusek obviously is a versatile guy um, at fullback, and and um, Joe Stanley retired. Unfortunately for them, you know, made up his mind too late for them to really be able to draft, but they signed Trent Williams to replace him. Now is Williams the perfect fit for their offense? I think Williams is probably good enough to do that. And I am encouraged by the fact that when both their starting tackles were out last year, they still were winning games, you know, with, with their replacements um, uh, playing at the tackle. I think it was school was one of them. Um, And uh, so I think offensively they should be okay. If that, if Ayuk steps in as the wide receiver. Um, but defensively... Mike, Joe, not... before we get to defense, one more sure. on offense. It's, it's amazing how much can change in a year, right? Welcome yeah. to 2020. But this time last year, everybody, everyone and their dog was saying, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the weak link here. I'm not buying you. He had a terrible preseason and everybody was down on Garoppolo. And 
nobody was buying the 49ers' chances, despite the clear embarrassment of riches in the team, because of Garoppolo. Now, he had altogether uh, a, a, a successful season, but a, but a disappointing Super Bowl. So uh, is this revisionist theory of Garoppolo happening again, that because it didn't end well, everybody's writing him off as a quarterback and actually he's a lot better than many people are suggesting. Yeah, I don't see why you would write him off, you know, and I, I think it's unfair. People are, though. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, his best pass of the Super Bowl was a completion to George Kittle that was ruled um, interference in one of, the, one of the three worst calls of the Super Bowl, mm. um, all of which went against San Francisco. Right. Um, and... Um, I think, too, his late play in the game might have been affected by the no-call helmet-to-helmet uh, -helmet concussion that he suffered yeah. um, when, Neiman, when Neiman flew over the, the blocker and hit him uh, in the face with his helmet, and, and the referee decided that was not a penalty. Um, yes. That was, to me, they the most... When he, when he overthrew, you think it's because... Yeah, I, I, maybe. I don't know. You know, that was a tough throw. It was always going to be a tough throw because the coverage yeah. was good. Um, yeah. But but it was there. But um, I, I, I can't... You can't write him off on all that. Um, you know, what are they going to... They say they might say he's a system quarterback, but, you know, when Matt Ryan succeeded in the same system, no one was saying that about Matt Ryan. And, and Garoppolo is probably better suited to that system than Ryan was um, mm. simply because he throws better on the move. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that from a 49ers perspective. Okay. Um, I think offensively they should be okay. I think Ayuk, if they have to survive with Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne, well, maybe they can, but they would, you know, it would really help if Ayuk turned out to be a multi-level receiver. So defensively. Yeah. Now here it's, it's not so much losing Buckner, although, yeah, you don't lose your best defensive tackle um, and not feel it because they, you know, they drafted Kinlaw and, and um, Kinlaw will, you know, helps them their salary cap and he'll be the replacement. But they also lost Sheldon Day. So that was the two starting tackles in the Super Bowl. And that to me is a more serious problem because Solomon Thomas has never really delivered on it, his first round potential. Um, and you know, I know in passing downs, what they'll do is probably slide Armstead inside and they'll play D Ford and I'm one and Nick Bosa on the other side. And, you know, and Nick Bosa is a real talent. Um, you know, that was one of the other really bad calls was, you know, Nick Bosa getting um, held, held hogtied, um, headlocked and pushed past, um, um, pushed past the quarterback by, um, I'm trying to think of, of uh, Eric Fisher, pushed past mm. Mahomes by Eric Fisher on the play where Mahomes threw the 40-yard rainbow pass mm. um, to Tyreek Hill. Um, I'm not arguing against the Chiefs. I'm just saying that they did happen to get all the breaks. Then the breaks. Um, yeah. Now, you know, the rest of the defense, I think, is pretty pretty much the way they would want it to be. Um, although I just saw today – I think it was Fred Warner's out on the COVID list, mm -hmm. um, which may mean it. You don't know when they when they get put on COVID. It means it generally means they've tested positive, or maybe they've been exposed to someone who tested positive. So we don't know. He might only be out a few days. Um, you know, he might pass another test. But that's um, just made me think: Is Belichick going to have a field day with uh, with the COVID and misdirection and? <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, and, and I know you're a Dolphins fan, so you're, you're probably, I thought you were going to say something like Belichick would be carrying around the virus in, in little sealed containers and, and, and putting, it up. In, putting it in the air conditioning of the visiting team <laughs> locker room or something like that. I, I don't think, I don't think Bill, you know, I don't think Bill is probably that, um, Machiavellian. That, that dangerous, yeah. But, uh, but I think he will, yeah, given, given his uh, fun and games <laughs> with uh, the injury reports, I wonder, I wonder. Sorry, yeah, sorry, back to but, the defense. But, that's you know, worrying about that kind of stuff, it, when we're doing these, you can't worry about that kind of stuff, you know, because that's, it, by week three of the season, we could see teams being severely depleted by, you know, short or long-term COVID, um, you know, COVID uh, exemptions to the you roster. Know, it, and that is, it, it, it struck me, you know, Rob Ryan was on... Uh, our radio show the other day and every winning a championship this is how i put it to him because he won a couple with the patriots right so winning a championship needs talent of course great coaching 
execution, but also a bit of luck. Everyone you ever speak to that's been involved in the championship side, whatever the sport actually, will say, yeah, there's, there's a, you've got to get the rubber of the green, as you just evidenced in, you know, talking about last year's Super Bowl. That's going to be even more, uh, so this year, right, Mike, because of COVID, because yes, you might lose a, a, a third string linebacker who mainly applies his trade on special teams, but you could lose Lamar Jackson. I mean, is that arbitrary, yeah. of course? So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it's just like everything else in our lives right now. You know, right. it's, um, you, can do, you can do everything right. You can, you can establish a strong bubble for yourself and, and people still get infected. People get infected and, you know, suffered terribly. Some show no symptoms and just keep going on. Some show no symptoms and then three months later develop, you know, develop uh, some ongoing, ongoing yeah. problems. We, we just do not know. And that's, yeah. you know, uh, you know, you can't do what the NBA has done and, you know, pick your playoff teams in advance and then mm-hmm. bubble them in one place. Um, you know, even if you could, you'd still have 500, <laughs> 500 guys or, or more um, to deal with. You've got to try to play out the season. And, um, you know, I don't doubt that they will be able well, no, I sorry, I do doubt. I don't doubt they'll be able to keep the season going for a while. It just depends, as you just said, on the severity of the losses. Um, you know, what happens if one team all of a sudden loses 20 players? Yeah. You know, do you actually want them to play with their, you know, you could do it theoretically because they've got a 16-man a practice squad. So there's, there's theoretically enough guys to actually make up a team but do you really want them doing that does it keep the um does it keep the integrity of your schedule uh intact i don't know and no, you know they can't I, hopefully you know hopefully we don't have have to deal with it but i think it's something we we really have to consider and you know and i i um i keep going back to that kyle brandt <laughs> tweet about you know NFL commentators who want there to be no season, you know, and it's like, why on earth would we want there to be no season? But you have to be realistic about what's possible, you know, yes. in the, in the circumstances um, for this season, you know, and, you know, and touching wood and, and hope, you know, hoping and praying and whatever, you don't want anybody struck with it, you know, and, and, um, and you have to think beyond the, the players as well, because, you know, these are young, healthy guys. What happens when they, go home to their families and, you know, or, uh, or grandma comes over to visit the grand, the grandchildren, you know, and yeah. so a lot of them are players, black players, big, heavy guys who are two of the obviously more sensitive groups in terms of infection. We've, we've mm-hmm. seen the rates for black people. We've seen the rates for heavy people, you know, are both really high, you know, um, and so you know, you've got guys who are disproportionately so, yeah. Yeah, yeah dis- despite being young or theoretically in, in high-risk groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said, Mike. Uh, right, speaking of NFL commentators, uh, I was talking to our friend, cousin Greg, Greg Rosenthal, ah. uh, the other day. And I was, we were talking about the West specifically, and he is LA-based, of course. So up close to the Rams, and he is pushing an agenda that is definitely uh, distinctive, I think, compared to many of his contemporaries who are writing off the Rams. We talked about <laughs> Philly. We talked about Atlanta even more so as a kind of enigmatic, indifferent side. Maybe Atlanta's a closer comparison there. But people seem to be in many corners saying the same thing about the LA Rams. This season, nah, the Rams, they're not going to... Greg thinks the Rams are going to be contenders and thinks they could run the 49ers and the Seahawks close for this division. Where are you on the LA Rams, Mike? I find that hard, hard to uh, believe, um, and that's with the greatest respect for cousin Greg, <laughs> and and for Sean McVay for that matter. Um, I, the reason I, the reason I say that is that they need a couple of things to go right. The main one being that their offense, if Van Jefferson can step up or Josh Reynolds can step up, a guy who I think has a lot of potential but hasn't really delivered on it, Mm. um, as receivers, and if Cam Akers can actually step in and give them what Gurley gave them, then yeah, okay, this is a dangerous team. Their offensive line is not that great, but it wasn't that great (laughs) even in the year when they went to the Super Bowl. Bowl. Um, And Jared Goff, 
well, we all know the book on Jared Goff, but you know, even if he is a is a, a quarter bot, um, it's it's <laughs> nice Sean cottage McVay. throwback. Yeah, so, it's Sean McVay who's pulling the you know who's pushing the buttons. So yeah. so you know that could work. Defensively, I think they have the potential to be really good, um, and I. I, I found it interesting that they claimed Justin Hollins from the Broncos because he's a guy who I liked a lot when he, when he came out of um, college from Oregon as an outside linebacker. But in Denver, they were using him as an inside backer and, and he was really just a fill in. Um, and, and I, from what I saw for where they, where he was on the depth chart moving in, they seemed to have him in one of their outside spots. They're still playing that three, four, um, you know, basically Wade Phillips um, defense um, after two years. And that really needs outside backers who can rush and cover. And Hollins was very quick, uh, you know, pretty athletic, um, a little bit kind of straight line quickness, but, but a guy who could cover and pass rush as well. So, mm. you know, I, I think he and Ek, 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 Ebukam could wind up starting ahead of, say, Leonard Floyd, although that's probably optimistic um, because Floyd's another guy who I think is kind of a one-track kind of pony. Um, but they, they, the problem was the, their biggest problem defensively is who plays the inside linebacker spots. And this was kind of a problem when Wade was there, and it was certainly a problem last year because you need to be able to hold if not stuff the middle with your inside guys and they tend to be smaller guys who are great in dropping into passing lanes and stuff like that but you can overpower inside it kind of depends on Aaron Donald and the nose tackle um clogging up that middle and Michael Brockers as well and um you know it's it's um uh what's his name um hyphen Sebastian um Sebastian Joseph Day um, is the um, nose guy. They grafted gains from Washington last year. So they, they ought to be okay there, but still that's their, that's my biggest worry with them. So I understand where cousin Greg's coming from, but I'm not quite sure they're there. I hear you. And it's the pattern. It is a good division though. This is why it, I say it's, is, the, yeah. it's the best it division. It's the best division. Well, let's wrap the division with Arizona who are, really fascinating to see how far they can go this year because they were one of those teams that were transitioning and a work in progress. Well, they probably still are this year, but certainly last year. And they've added some really exciting pieces to the mix, of course, with DeAndre Hopkins uh, in uh, what was the, the deal of the offseason in many people's eyes in the draft as well. Isaiah Simmons, everybody's raving about him as an absolutely brilliantly versatile and, and explosive defensive piece. And of course, Kyler Murray is going to have uh, the difficult sophomore season, uh, the difficult second album, but in most people's estimations, he's only going to improve and get stronger. In fact, Mike, I've heard some people suggest that Kyler Murray might have a Lamar Jackson kind of season. So where are you on that? Where are yeah. you on the Cardinals? I can understand why people say that because he's got the ability to run, but as a coach, you want to, you don't want him risking himself out there, especially because he's only, you know, 5'10 and, you know, whatever, um, like Lamar Jackson. But like Lamar Jackson, he had in college, at least, he had a good ability not to put himself, you know, to cover up, to avoid uh, the bad tackles, not to risk taking the, the tackles. And with but Cliff Kingsbury... Right? Isn't that the point? That it's, uh, yeah. it's far more realistic and straightforward to do that in college than... Absolutely, because in, yeah. in the NFL, you're going up against a whole team of talented guys, as opposed right. to you know um, in the big in the Big Twelve, especially um, you know where you've got a few talented guys and and they can't keep up with those offenses. But a lot of the things that I said in um, in the previous show about Matt Rule apply to Cliff Kingsbury too. He's a guy who played in college and coached in college on teams that were or outmanned and you had to come up with ways of defeating of defeating a team that had more talent and deeper talent than you did. And when you put him in the NFL, he doesn't have to worry about that so much. He can worry more about how his systems, how his systems are going to function, um, which is 
which is, I think, one of the reasons why he surprised people a bit last year. Now you've added DeAndre Hopkins. That's a huge addition. Um, Kenyon Drake had a really great year. I think it's a, sort of a question now. You know, he has to prove he can have a second really great year. That's a great point. But they've put a um, they've put a pretty good offensive line, you know, together, which was not good when they took over. And, and if the rookie um, Josh Jones can play right tackle, it'll be a whole lot better. Um, so offensively, I think they will certainly be a team that will score points defensively is where they've gotten better. And you mentioned Isaiah Simmons, who was not only the best, I think, defensive player in the draft, um, but is one of these rare multi-position talents who fits that modern NFL game, what we were talking about, you know, about robber and, and that kind of coverage. Simmons can play from the linebacker spot can cover wide receivers if he has to, at least inside wide receivers. I wouldn't have any problem. He can cover tight ends. He can, you know, he can tackle all over the field. They, Would you have him ahead of Chase Young? In, in, in probably. Of- I mean, as an athlete, yes. I mean, as, as a player. In other words, he's, that kind of versatility and skill is, is very rare. Now, Young's, Young's ability might well mean, and Akuda um, as well. I think you know, their ability to play their positions better might make them better values. I don't think anyone would have skipped Young to take Simmons. Obviously, they didn't. <laughs> but but, um, but you know, I, I think that's the kind of thing I, I was talking about. It's a challenge. There are some teams, Simmons could go to some teams and, and be lost in the shuffle, kind of. Um, but, you know, I, I even think he has, you know, if he was on Jacksonville two or three years ago in one of those linebacker spots, he would be phenomenal. You know, uh, I think he could do that on, on a couple of teams. But Jordan Phillips from Buffalo who they picked up to play nose tackle to me is it one of those great under the radar signings. Um, and he will make that defense a whole lot better. They added um, Devonte Campbell Campbell from uh, the, the Falcons, who's much better suited to their defense than he was to Atlanta's. Um, he'll be an inside backer with less, less need to roam um, than he, than he did in Atlanta. Um, if Jordan Hicks is healthy, they're really, they're really strong back there. Buda Baker, um, you know, is just uh, another really good talent. Um, but as you say, Mike, they're playing in the toughest division in the NFL. There's no yeah. doubt about it. So yeah. what is what is success for Kingsbury and co this season, do you think? Winning, a winning record, I think, would be success for them. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it, it, it will be different, uh, difficult. Um, you know, it's easy to get into the playoffs every year if you're in a division with two bad teams um, right. because – you know, that's going to be four of your games, but there, there won't Speaking be easy. Which, we're coming to the North in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, the, bad is in it. Bad's an exaggeration. You know, I think, I think that that division is three question marks and, mm, and like a double question mark, exclamation point, <laughs> exclamation point kind of team. But, a hashtag yeah. and that symbol as well. But, you know, um, just like Greg, Greg and the Rams, I can see ways where this team actually does really well. Um, and, and it's an interesting question of, between those two teams because this is a young team that's trying to find itself and the Rams are the core of an old team um, trying to refine, you know, refine that. Um, and again, it was only two years ago. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it seems like a long time, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> okay, let's get on to the North. And uh, we were alluding, of course, to... Uh, the North just then. And, and I think to your point, and particularly the Detroit Lions, Mike, seem to, if we're talking buzz, the Lions are suddenly, to me, out of nowhere, everybody's talking up the Lions as credible winners of the NFC North. I'm not totally buying that. What are you saying? Well, I had them as a dark horse team when I, when I was going through, you know, um, on, a, on, a betting, uh, on a betting level. Uh, when... Uh, Ngakwe went to Minnesota. I thought that was okay for Minnesota, but it was bad for the Lions because what the Lions need probably more than anything else is another pass rusher um, to balance against Trey Flowers. Um, Even though they're, you know, a Matt Patricia defense, you would assume was very Patriot-like and would try to scheme for sacks, which is true. Um, And and Flowers plays really well. But then when the addition of um, Adrian Peterson, to me, is, is a great move because what was their biggest problem last year? One was Matt Stafford 
getting hurt, obviously, yeah. and, and Stafford's back. And, you know, there's no replacement for Stafford. Um, the other one was Karrion Johnson, who's mm-hmm. two years. He's been very good in both years, but he's got hurt mm-hmm. in both years. So they drafted, well, they drafted DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift right, who, who's probably a great, a great pickup. But I think with Adrian Peterson there now, they can both reduce Karrion Johnson's carries. And Peterson and Swift are both guys who can catch balls. Um, out of the backfield, which gives them, you know, gives them that dim- added dimension. Mm. Um, so for me, the, the big question is, are the, the biggest question is offensive line. They spent big money on big V from, um, from Philadelphia. And um, I'm not sure that that was well spent in, or wasn't overpaid. And they drafted Jonah Jackson to play guard. Those two guys both need to, both need to play well. Um, and uh, the offensive line, Ragno is really good at center, but, you know, Taylor Decker's okay. I'm not sure he's a great pass blocker, and, and they'll need that to keep Stafford healthy. But otherwise, you look at the weapons, those are, it's a great set of backs. Um, Hawkinson and Jesse James and, and Hunter Bryant, who his problem was injury in college, but he's a great pass catching tight end. I liked him a lot. Um, Galladay and Marvin Jones, you know, Danny Amendola, they might, they could probably use another good receiver. And I don't know if Cephas. I'd underline that point. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that is a weak link. I mean, obviously Galladay had a great season and Jones, you know, chimes in with, yeah, 750, 800, but. Yeah. Well, Jones was like when, um, when um, Stafford was hurt, Jones became the go-to guy. Really, mm. um, it, it was it was it was funny that that way. Um, but Blau, David Blau, um, <laughs> yeah, and he's gone. I mean, Chase Daniels, the backup now, um, who whose limitations were shown last year. I think when he had to start um, in Chicago, you know, I, I I I was a little surprised by that because you'd kind of want. I mean, Blau's still on the practice. It's funny with practice squads too, because you can this year you can bring up a guy from the practice squad and then bring him back to the practice squad. You know, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to. Normally, what happens is if you activate him from the practice squad, you then have to put him on waivers. Yes. Um, afterwards, and now you can you can do that twice, I think, which which will um, which will help a lot of teams. And you'll see yeah. an interesting thing from the Jets came out that that Days was going to. They have five quarterbacks now on the roster between. Mm-hmm active in practice squad and and they were thinking of putting one guy as a remote quarterback he would he would do everything remotely you know like quarterback meetings on zoom Film room. yeah okay like, like we're doing so that if if for if for some reason the quarterbacks coach caught covid and passed it on to all four of the other quarterbacks oh interesting they would, they would still have one healthy guy who could who could take the snaps um so that's uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure everyone's going to rush to do that but um uh, interesting but idea though it makes kind of makes sense right yeah. uh, okay so the lions and, and you know the lions you know and he's he's built a kind of new england style defense um not least because he's got Danny Shelton and Trey Flowers and Jamie Collins and yeah. um, Duran Harmon and uh, Justin Coleman, you know, who all, who all play. Literally a New England defense. But I mean, let's quick line on Patricia and we'll look at the other contenders because that's why I'm perhaps most baffled. And I take your point. I, I, I like I said, I, I, I'm not sure about the strength in depth offensively, but point taken on, it's going to be a strong running game. And I, and I get as well that idea of schooling and, the importance of if Swift is what we are led to believe, going to be a really exciting back in the NFL to have someone like Adrian Peterson guiding you through your first season. That's only going to be a good thing. Uh, but it's Matt Patricia that I'm, I, I'm baffled that there is suddenly all this buzz about the Lions when he is unequivocally the head coach. Uh, the Jags, maybe Doug Barone, notwithstanding, that is on the hottest of hot seats. <laughs> Everybody's slagging off that it won't last a season. And then suddenly they're playoff contenders. So help me work that one out, Mike. When did Matt Patricia suddenly become a head coach that everybody was buying into as a, a head coach to take a team to the playoffs? Well, I think what you've seen in this offseason is that um, Patricia and the GM, who are both expats, Quinn, um, know that they're on the hot seat, know that it's this year or nothing. And so they've gone all in, you know, they brought in, they brought in the extra players from new England that Patricia thinks can run his defense. Now they brought in Adrian Peterson, which is a one year, probably a one year rental, you know, um, yeah. on a 35 year old running back. 
but it, it suits what they need right now um, to go to go after that. And you know, I remember you saying, uh, not to put you on the spot, but you know, you were you were saying that you thought Stafford last year was an yeah. MVP contender yeah. after you know after the Stafford. Yeah, when we did the first game. So, you know, they were playing really well. They hadn't won enough games. You know, that doesn't translate to the division championship by itself. And you're absolutely right about those holes. But I think I think we're looking at a team or at least a coach who's going to be desperate to succeed. And um, whether that and Darren Bevel as an offensive coordinator, you know, make that work, I do not know. Um, but I think it makes them a very interesting proposition now um, where you could have, you could have back in February written them off or, you know, March. Um, and uh, I don't think you can do that now. And I think it's a, the, the division is there to be won in a way right. that it wasn't, it wasn't to come for the last few years. That's a great point. Well, let's look at the, the teams most likely to run them close then. Obviously, Green Bay have to be in that conversation. But as we've talked about a few times on this show, certainly, last season's Green Bay Packers were an extraordinary team in many respects because they certainly weren't as good as their record suggested or indeed their, their run suggested. But when you've got Aaron Rodgers, anything's possible. We've talked at length, everybody's talked at length about the snub in the draft and the decision not to take a receiver and the impact that is going to have pragmatically on the field and also off the field as well by putting Rogers' nose out of joint. Lots of senior Packers have come out uh, very interestingly, I think over the last five, six weeks and called out that decision in, in no uncertain terms, expressing disbelief and everything else. And, and you've got to sympathize with that argument, Mike, with Rogers and co saying, Adam saying, you want us to win now and, and, and you're hiring, uh, you're drafting a quarterback of the future. So what will that mean coming out of the wash for the Green Bay Packers this year? Ah, that's, that's the, that's the hundred, the hundred uh, dollar question or hundred million dollar <laughs> question. Um, and I think that it, 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 it speaks to what I was talking about um, in terms of Mike McCarthy, when we discussed Dallas, mm. you know, was, was their offense a product of Mike McCarthy's coordinator's mind? Um, or, or was it a product of Aaron Rodgers doing what he wants to do? And you always get the sense with that team that no matter what play is called in the end, Aaron Rodgers will do what he wants to do. You know, mm. if you called, if you've called a, a pass, a pass route and he doesn't like it, he'll hold the ball. <laughs> <laughs> until it breaks down and then it becomes what he wants to do. So, so it's really hard to judge, um, you know, exactly what the balance is. Um, and also note that they don't have a really good backup for Rogers in the sense that Jordan love by most estimations isn't ready to step in as a starter. And, and the other guy is um, the immortal Tim Boyle um, from Eastern Kentucky. And um I'm not sure he's ready to step in either. Unlikely. So, so basically, they let Jay Kumaro go like a week after Ro Rogers said Jay Kumaro's turning into like a really good receiver. You know, in his, <laughs> so I, I don't know. You know, it, it's like if it becomes um, if it becomes Rogers to Devonte Adams or bust again. Yep. Who knows? They. You know, the odd thing about that team was they were actually carried by their running game mm. more than anything else. Aaron Jones is another of those kind of most overlooked guys in the yep. league. But he had a great season last year, and um, they drafted uh, the Dylan from Boston College, mm -hmm. um, and um, they have Jamal Williams. Uh, so, you know, they're a strong running team, and I think their line ought to be okay. Um, they lost Brian, you know, Curly, as I call him, because he looks like, Brian yeah, from the three <laughs> stooges, but, but, um, yeah. but they, they signed Ricky Wagner and, and, uh, they, they have, um, what's his name? Um, the kid from North Dakota, Billy Turner from North Dakota, um, around. So, you know, they should, they should be okay. And, and the other thing that carried them last year were the Smith brothers, mm. Zadarius Smith and, and Preston Smith, um, pass rushing from the two outside linebacker spots. They're weaker inside. And I don't think they lost Martinez and added Christian Kersey, which I think is kind of a wash. Um, Kersey's more um, 
mobile covers more ground, but but neither of them is real run stuffer. And, you know, Kenny Clark is the key to that because Kenny Clark disrupts lots of stuff inside and makes the outside um, available to, to the rest. And they've got a young secondary, which really, you know, is now ready to play, I think. And, and um, Adrian Amos was a great ad last year for them in that um, safety spot. So it's like they were not as good a team as they – as their record said, is what, what you said is absolutely true. And I don't think things break for them this year. I think they're going to wind up having a couple, of cup, a couple of tough games that they lose in division, and that's going to make it tough, tough for them. They'll probably still come out with a winning record. But, you know, the Vikings, to me, are still the favorites in that division, but I don't think the Vikings are as good as they were last year. Yeah. Um, either, well, obviously, they've lost, lost digs, but – re-upped with Justin Jefferson in the draft, but that's not necessarily going to be an automatic like for like. No, and I like, I like Justin Jefferson a lot. Um, he's a different kind of receiver. Um, than, How so? Than Stefan oh, Diggs. Than Diggs, right. Yeah, not, not, that, not the deep threat that Diggs is, but he's a, um, a really precise and good, skilled receiver um, in the intermediate routes. Um, so, or routes, as I... You know, it's like I do both interchangeably. It's like mm. use, using British and American phrases sometimes. Um, I think happens. I used squad earlier in the last show for roster. So there we go. We're, <laughs> we're even. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that, we- that, that to me is, 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 the big, is the big question for them. Because last year, I mean, now they've got Kevin, Kevin Stefanski wasn't, I'm not sure how much he was actually the, the offensive coordinator last year and how much of it was Gary Kubiak, but now they're, they're completely Gary Kubiak. So you may see more spread formations than you did last year. Stefanski liked to go a lot with the two tight ends, which meant they only needed to have two receivers. But what made that work in, in effect was that between Diggs and Thielen, they covered all of the receiving options. They could all, they could both go across. They could both uh, go in the middle. They could both go deep. Although you know, Diggs has uh, Diggs was a better deep threat, and Thielen was what we call sneaky fast. Does mm-hmm. <laughs> Cousins shut up some of the haters with his overall performance last season, statistically and crucially in the playoffs as well? When uh, uh, when the book on him was he couldn't do it in clutch situations in, in games that mattered. And he, to some degree, tackled that, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know how many haters there are of Kirk Cousins, but I, I don't think, I think he's still one of those unanswered questions. He's the Dak Prescott of, um, of this division, except he's already got the money in the bank. <laughs> right. um, so, but, but I think, yeah, I, I think that, you know, he speaks to the same thing we talked about when we talked about Dallas in the, in the last show. Is he a top 10 quarterback? Probably. Yes. Um, how hard is it to replace a top 10 quarterback? Pretty difficult. Mm. So, you know, so you should probably be happy with what you've got mm. rather than concentrating on his limitations and blaming each failure on cousins. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes you just run into a team that can defense you, um, you know, better than most teams do and, and stop what you want to do and force you to try to do something else. Sometimes you run into a team that gets a lead on you and it takes you out of your game plan and you have to do things that, that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily want to do. And we know what Mike Zimmer teams are all about, which is, you know, trying to protect the ball and, putting a lot of pressure. They're a pressure team, what I was talking about, which is why signing Ngakwe was great for them. Because if you've got guys who win the one-on-one outsides, which Danielle Hunter can do and Ngakwe can do, you discourage teams from double teaming either of them or, or risking letting one go. And what do we associate with Mike Zimmer more than anything else in the world is the double A gap blitz. Uh, nobody likes to send two guys over your center more than Mike Zimmer does, you know, and um, when you have the two guys outside, you have to, you can't, you can't slide to the middle when you think that a gap blitz is coming. So, you know, I I think he adds more than just the single position dimension uh, to the team. He has a good effect um, down the line and, and for them, the, the, question mark will be the secondary they lost a lot of secondary players but the argument is that their secondary wasn't really as good 
as advertised with those guys. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not going to be that much worse this year. They need, they need the rookies to sort of come through. Um, Gladney was the first round pick and yes. Cameron Dantzler was the third round pick. And, you know, they kind of need at least one of them to come through. And, um, um, but the safety pair with Smith and, and Harris um, is is a really good one. Uh, they're smart. They they understand what Zimmer wants to do. So you know, I, I think they are. To me, they're the favorites in this division. But but to me, they're more they're more vulnerable. And the team that actually probably challenges them the most is is Detroit or more than Green Bay. Green Bay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you, know, you know what we say about Green Bay. It's kind of like the Patriots and Brady. You, you know, if you go up to Green Bay with a better team, you still think Rodgers is somehow going to beat it's you. Still, exactly. They'll yeah. still be 12-4 and four and, uh, mm-hmm. in the Tennessee in the Championship game, I'm certain of it. Uh, I'm pretty certain Chicago won't be. Uh, I'm also not sure how long <laughs> Mitch Trubisky has been named as a starter, of course, uh, in the last couple of days. <laughs> Named and shamed. How long is he going to last, Mike? I mean, what's the over-under on Trubisky getting benched? Yeah, well, my, my season preview of the Bears was, was like five words. Mm. <laughs> it was Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. That kind of put, puts it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this is a team with like 10 tight ends and no quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, that's being unfair to – not to Trubisky so much, um, although I think I think Trubisky is kind of being asked to do things that he's not that good at doing, um, or being you know, and which is a surprise in a way because you'd think that Nagy's offense would be a bit more like Kansas City, and Trubisky would be able to to make that work, um, but but he just hasn't. So um, mm. Foles is the kind of guy who is a perfect backup. Because he's one of the few backups who you can, you could depend on to come in and actually win a game for you. Mm. And in fact, I think there are people who would argue that Foles is at his best when, when games have to be won and when no one's expecting that you're going to be able to do it. Right. Um, I, I guess which is, the super, run, which is the Super Bowl, super Bowl right? Yeah. Uh, and the run, and it is the run, isn't it? So it's a game and then a collection of well, we talked about Teddy in the last episode. You know. What did he go four and oh five and oh with the Saints? That that extended cameo plays him into a starting gig. So it is that uh, run to do it over a certain period of time. But as you've always said, Mike, that the trick is consistency over seasons, plural, right? And is that the issue with Foles that when he's got the starting gig, the pressure of that on his shoulder and repeating it consistently, something is lacking. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true with qualifications because obviously he didn't get to show what he could do in Jacksonville right? because he was hurt. And it was also a bad team if he wasn't hurt. So mm-hmm. you would still have that question mark in front of you. Um, and of course he had that one year under Jeff Fisher, which is, you know, cruel and unusual punishment for any quarterback, <laughs> um, at least in, <laughs> in his, his last years. So, so I, I, you know, I think it's inevitable that Foles will become the starter. Um, from a rational point of view, this is the way you have to handle it. Um, I've talked about quarterback controversies many times. To me, the way that makes most sense is that you're incumbent to everybody or, or thinks either should or has to be replaced, stays as the starter until it becomes evident that you need to replace him. Mm. Then the replacement comes in and unless he does worse, gets the jo- has the job. You know, you, you really want it to be in a position where you can argue, look, we can't get much worse. We ought to try something else. Um, and this applies to, you know, the Eli Daniel Jones situation. It applies, you know, unless you're going to make the team better, let's try somebody else who can. Um, and, and basically that's going to be the full situation. Now, I'm surprised a little that there isn't a third guy that they could they could depend on, you know, um, somebody who could, they, they could actually think, well, maybe he gets us through. Tyler Bray is the um, only other quarterback that they've got. Mm. And um, he's been around a long time without ever playing uh, in Kansas City, most most notably. So, you know, the feeling is he's got some talent. Um, and defensively, um, they're, they're really, I mean, they're really going to miss Eddie Goldman, um, who's who opted out. 
Um, there were about a, there were a handful of opt outs, I think, who really hurt teams, and he he was one of them. So um, they need a nose tackle to go along with John Jenkins. But you know they've got they've got Akeem Hicks, they got Vontae Mack. Um, that's my little tribute there to nice. Um, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> to chat with Bozeman, yeah. Um, you know, Khalil Mack, uh, Roquan Smith, you know, really talented guys. Um, they're Eddie Jackson, the safety, you know, one of the best in the business. Um, so, you know, defensively, they should still be tough, but they've got to be able to put points on the board. You know, they, they can't be the, the monsters of the midway, um, you know, with a team that turns the ball over. And um, I don't know, is Jimmy Graham the answer? Is is Cole Komet, who's one of the few players in the NFL whose last name are, is the call signal of a radio station west of the Mississippi. <laughs> How many are there in the NFL? Cole, Cole KMET. <laughs> <laughs> there is. That's a whole other show to work out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if his first name was Cole spelled with a K, he could be two stations. <laughs> this is definitely a whole other show, Mike. Uh, <laughs> lovely stuff. Well, there we go. We've done it. We did the AFC double bill a couple of weeks ago and dropping the NFC goodness over two episodes. And there we are, the season previews wrap, which means we're going to get down to business, time, Mike. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready and waiting, you know, and, and there's been, you know, there's been such disappointment so far um, this off season, um, primarily losing the London games. I think, mm. you know, from our, from our point of view, having gone, gotten used to having four games in London, you know, is, is, is the real pleasure and a privilege you know it's 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 great and and losing losing those obviously is a big disappointment and and all of this uncertainty and and watching guys who've opted out and you know watching the changes that the league's trying to make to keep things um on on a good footing and you know i i really actually believe that they should have had one exhibition game um the road test a lot about in the kind of week three spot just to road test how things work exactly yeah and to give the players a little bit of of contact and real real game condition um practice so i have the feeling that the first couple of weeks and you'll you'll listen to guys who'll say oh god are there going to be missed assignments and god there's going to be bad tackling and god there's going to be bad this and bad that and there will be um but i just can't sit and predict you know like oh yeah their defense is going to be awful because it will take five weeks and the only thing i can say for sure is that probably the patriots are going to really struggle for the first four weeks of the season (laughs) um and maybe beyond maybe beyond that so, um, you know, I, I probably am more uh, less optimistic about them now than I was when we did the, a, the AFC yeah. preview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it is great to have your insight as ever. And it's great to have you on board again for the season as we are back with ESPN for the 2020 season. It feels good to say that. And yeah, as you say, there are likely to be some twists and turns and surprises in terms of how the season plays out. But uh, we will be in it together, gang. And uh, I am Mike. Terrific stuff as ever. Great to have you on board. You may not have me for much longer, though, because Kevin Costner has offered me the assistant GM job. Uh, (laughs) What, at the Browns? That's that's incredible. (laughs) But how would he get on with Dennis Leary? It's the big question. (laughs) I'm already talking to him about getting a new coach. (laughs) It would start frosty with you and Leary. You'd end up, uh, by the end of the night, necking back the beers as everyone else is like, we're going to turn in now. You guys, you can stay for one more. Okay. Um, Brilliant. Looking forward to catching up. Mike, look after you. Oh, before we go, actually, if our listeners want to catch you, uh, let's get some plugs out of the way. You mentioned the Patreon column, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Lots of additional insight there, I'm guessing. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm probably going to change the format of the column this year. Um, More pictures? After- after 15 years no actually there's no bold for some reason when i put my new word processing in i can't get patreon to accept bold face from me um and i don't know why and i haven't been able to figure it out so anyway i'm probably going to drop doing all the game previews and picks um of the whole season and just run more articles and um and commentary on them so the next one coming up which will probably be tomorrow is um is on all of the uh waiver claims and and uh trades and transfers uh in in over the weekend um and then we'll we'll take it from there i i might give in to pressure but having discovered in the last few days that over the last six years, I was the best pick game picker of all the people who were um, aggregated on NFL pick watch. Including the um, supercomputer. 
because including the supercomputer <laughs> over the six year period, I had a wow. good lead over the runner, the runner up and the third place uh, guy. So I just thought I might as well go out on a high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, after this, uh, I'm going to grab Harry, the producer. We're just going to, we're driving to Vegas. <laughs> well, <laughs> the season sports book and Mike, you're going to put, we're going to put money on based on what you're telling us. Um, well, that is patreon.com uh, forward slash Mike Carlson, FMTE, but you will catch him on this show all the way through the season and beyond to infinity and beyond to the 2020 <laughs> season and beyond. Uh, I might look after yourself. Thanks mate. Lovely stuff from Iron Mike, the West and the North are wrapping up our NFC preview, which means of course we are wrapping up our NFL season preview. All eight divisions in the bag. If you haven't had the AFC ones, go head back there in the archive. You'll find them, whichever podcatcher you listen to us on. And we are up and running. The 2020 season is upon us. And it means more of the same, more of what we brought you last year. Episodes dropping through the week, through the season, up to and including the Super Bowl. All your favorites coming back from this side of the pond, from the ESPN Galaxy stateside. And lots of new faces and voices were dropping in the mix as well. So it is great to have you along for the ride. Whether you're an old school veteran or brand new to the sport, brand new to the show. Great to have you with us. Really looking forward to the season. We will be back soon as with our first reaction to the 2020 action. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.